This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. B to the Y to the U, Sports Nation is live. Your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Happy Tuesday, April 7th. Wherever and however you're connected, great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with master Lego builder and training Jerem Jordan. I love the Lego movies, and I love Gold Yeller, Jared Jacobs, our homie. He makes these stop animation Lego videos that are awesome. So he does one for BYU basketball. Uh, it came out last night. And then uh, he's got a little treat for us as well. Um, this would have been the day that we would have known who won the national championship. So in the Lego national championship, here's what happened. BYU's national title hopes down to this. Kansas 79, BYU 78. The Cougs 94 feet away, 10 seconds to play. TJ Haas will inbound on the end line. The ball into Toulson and right back to Haas. TJ quickly into front court, starting left to Barcelo, top of the key. Ball to Jake on the right wing. Drops it low to Yo. The double team comes. TJ open for three and the win. He got it! He got it! TJ Haas with the shot of his career, and it's a Cougar Nation celebration. BYU 81, Kansas 79, the BYU Cougars are college basketball's national champions. T.J. Hawes hits a legendary, iconic game winner, this time for the national championship. His platinum legacy further solidified in BYU history after a third heart-stopping game winner this season. Wow, the Lone Peak legend, Spencer. And remember when T.J.'s teammate Yoli Childs promised a special season? Well, this team delivered. BYU celebrates a Lego National Championship and BYU Sports Nation immortality. BYU did it. BYU did it. They won the Lego National Championship. Well done, Cougs. Jared's the best, dude. That's awesome. That's so fun. And he's not like a local doing this on the set. He is a national dude. Like, he's gone to every major sporting event that exists now, and the finals and the Masters and the U.S. Open. The Super like, Bowl. Like, he's way bigger than us. And it's awesome that he uh, dips his toe into what we do. He has That's cornered awesome. the market with sports and Legos in a very unique fashion, and he spends countless hours he did that over the weekend, doing those things. Way. Oh, he's getting, like, not hour, only... Hour one, he did, what, Sunday or something? Yeah. Incredible. He's not only great at it, now he's becoming fast and great at it, which is awesome. Yeah. Well done, Jared. Thank you. That's cool. That's really cool. For the Lego National Championship swag. (laughs) (laughs) Here is today's show lineup. We'll try and keep up with that level of production. BYU diver Kennedy Cribs on overachieving at life and accomplishing something no other BYU diver has done in a decade, only to have her season shut down while she's choosing to remain positive. And half of the final four set in our BYUSN best play of the year bracket, which plays moving on. Don't forget one of the top offensive linemen in the country, James Empey, joins us to discuss a potential name change and top five Tuesday men's basketball buzzer beater edition. But it's early in the show, like first quarter. So here are today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. Men's golf team finishes the season ranked 17th in the Bushnell Golf Week Coaches Poll. I didn't know there was a coaches poll. Awesome. Cougars won three tournaments this year, had a 
record 54-hole stroke average this season. Outstanding seniors Peter Quest, Rhett Rasmussen, and Spencer Dunaway are graduating and going pro. Good luck to all of those gentlemen. 41 different BYU track and field athletes earn all MPSF academic honors. It often goes undervalued. But we're not going to undervalue it. Well done. 17 men qualify, tops in the MPSF, 24 women honorees, which ranks second in the MPSF. They're athletic students and they're student athletes. And 16 seed BYU pounds top seed Duke. What? In the Sirius XM mascot bracket oh. on Twitter, the BYU Twitter mob was out in full force, 85 to 50 <laughs> or 15%. 85 to 15. That's dominating. Uh, next up, 8 seed Maryland. I like BYU's chances against the Terrapins, Jerem. I like BYU's chances when any BYU Twitter mob gets going on something. Yes. If Cosmo's involved, the power of Cosmo with the Twitter mob, watch out. BYU yeah, may be the first is, 16 seed to ever win a bracket of any sort. There are other illusions to this, and they totally work, but this is one of these stones cut out of the mountain without hands that is rolling. That is a BYU <laughs> Twitter mob from the Bible. Yeah, Sirius XM. It was XM. prophesied long ago. Sirius XM, by initially not including uh, Cosmo, realized quickly, I've made a terrible mistake. I've made a huge mistake. And put BYU in the bracket, and now they might just win the whole thing. So thanks, Cosmo. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending, presented by Trio Senior Living. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. BYU football quarterback controversy, episode 117. Let me read this in my best Chris Harrison bachelor voice. Coming up on the most dramatic April 7th episode in the history of BYUSN, quarterbacks coach Aaron Roderick has an impossible decision to make. One gridiron rose, three worthy recipients who will earn Coach Roderick's undying trust. Okay, Jerem, here's the quote from Aaron Roderick that sparked all this. We will determine in fall camp who is one and who is two. And who is three? We will continue that competition as long as we can until somebody is clearly the guy or until we have to make a decision. Right now, we just don't know what our time frame is going to be. Jerem, is there actually a battle for the starting quarterback position? I thought we had this figured out. I'd be shocked if it wasn't Zach Wilson. Like, barring an injury, I don't see how anybody but Wilson will start. I have full confidence that Jaron Hall could be the full-time starter for BYU. It's great to have two you really trust, but BYU doesn't have two they can trust. They have three with Baylor Romney and the way he performed, namely against Boise State. This came out later, uh, but Baylor Romney had turf toe at the end of the year. He played with turf toe against Utah State. That's why uh, Jaron Hall comes back, or he he plays in that game, uh, which was awesome, and he was pacing for like a 400-100 in that game. Baylor Romney was hurt. In fact, Baylor Romney was 90% in spring ball, according to Aaron Roderick, and a, uh, in an article by Jay Drew of the Deseret News. Uh, three quarterbacks, certainly capable. I think it's a harder argument to argue that Baylor Romney should be the starter, certainly between Zach Wilson and Jaron Hall, but I don't feel like there's a competition. I, generally, when these things are said, I feel like, oh, that's coach speak for the public, for the team. Uh, Aaron Roderick did mention... The following uh, regarding the 18-for-18 performance from Zach Wilson. Quote, the bowl game his freshman year, the so-called perfect bowl game, might have been the worst thing that ever happened to him. Um, And quote, regarding expectations for Zach going into the next year. Especially coming off surgery after that bowl game. Right. We we expected him to be really, really good. And I would say that Zach was good last year. He wasn't great. He wasn't bad. He wasn't even okay. I I thought he was good at, right, at times, solid, good. 
Um, I think we expect him to make a leap. We expect so much out of freshmen and sophomores. Guess what? Zach Wilson's a junior now. It's time for him to be his best self this and next year. I'm going to give him that time, and I'll be shocked if Zach Wilson is not the starter come game one, if there is a game one this fall. Uh, One, I think there will be a game one, and I think number one will be QB one when all is said and done. He is finally healthy. He's not coming off a surgery and he's playing with the left torn labrum, I, I would say he's not. But he doesn't have to throw the football with his left torn labrum. He doesn't have to throw it. He's a right armed quarterback. So yes, he's still not one hundred percent if you look at his overall physique. But the thing that matters most is right arm is at least as far as we know and we've been told is one hundred percent. So I'm excited to see what Zach Wilson can do with a healthy right arm, not having to try and hustle back, and not to mention a broken thumb, which. Honestly, he had to come back too soon from to try and help BYU. and Because of Baylor Romney's turf toe. Exactly. Jaron Hall's out with concussions. Baylor Romney's got turf toe. Zach Wilson had to be rushed back, and he probably wasn't ready. He couldn't grip the ball. Those were his words. He's finally healthy. Let's keep him healthy and see what he can do. I think that the jump, not only will he benefit from going from sophomore to junior season, but with the health in place, yeah, the expectations for Zach Wilson, I think, are high. I think he holds himself uh, in a very unique position with high expectations, and I think he's going to deliver. As far as the competition goes, however, the coaches are smart. They saw what Baylor Romney could do in Jaron Hall in limited action. By saying this, they push Zach Wilson to be better. They put pressure on him. This, sure. is, this is necessary pressure. So this is a this is a well-played quote by Aaron Roderick. But the le- the leash on Zach Wilson will be extended this year. I th- I'll be shocked like you if he's not the starter, but this will make him better by saying this. Yeah, it's one thing to say it. It's another to actually do it, right? And that's the conversation here. Is there actually a quarterback battle? I don't think there is. I think that it's always healthy to be – listen, if I stink, bring in somebody else. Like, if you stink, bring in – you know what I mean? That should be the case in every facet of life. Yes, they're leaving like, the door open. if you're not open. good enough – You need to be challenged to be better, and in many walks of life, like there's going to be someone else ready to go. And I think in this case, BYU is very comfortable in that they have three good quarterbacks. I think you have two that can compete against the Power Fives. Baylor Romney, over an extended period of time, to me, I need to see more. I think he could be good. We've only seen just a couple of games, and like against one good opponent. Um, Jaron Hall, as well, has started against hasn't started against a Power Five squad quite yet. Hasn't. Uh, Power five on the road. Those are different. Zach Wilson didn't have to play those games the freshman year. Then he did, and we put up the stat. He was four and five as a starter last year because he had to play against the tougher teams. Yeah, what's interesting is when you combine everything that those three quarterbacks did last year, which takes us to our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. BYU returns 3,549 passing yards and a 63% completion rate from Wilson, Hall, and Romney combined. Jerem, you first presented that number to us this morning, and my jaw kind of dropped. 3,549 from those three? That's a really nice number. That's a good number. And, uh, yeah, BYU threw for uh, 3,701 last year. Yards per attempt, 7.9. That was the most um, in, in since 2009. Whoa, since Max Hall's most senior 2009. year. And uh, the fact that BYU had the second most passing yards in the season since 2009 as well. That was a good passing year. The 20 touchdowns, way too low. 
Mm. It's got to be high 20s. If you get into the 30 range, now you've had a really, really good season passing the ball. It doesn't mean you have to do that, but it certainly helps. I would like to see more out of BYU from that position. Topic two, Joe Lenardi released some bracketology for next season. BYU isn't in it, neither is St. Mary's. Gonzaga's a one seed, so let's talk about expectations generally for the Cougars. Is it NCAA tournament or bust each season now? No, not quite. Uh, BYU had an all-time team. We're talking about one of maybe the top five teams all-time at BYU with Yoli Childs, Jake Toulson, and TJ Haas. All three of those guys gone. It's not time to say, hey, well, BYU's established a precedent of going to the NCAA tournament every year. Stop it. Every year? Stop it. One is not enough volume. Exactly. It's just not enough. So, no, I'm not ready to heat that expectation on Mark Pope and BYU. The team, I'm sure they believe that, oh, we're going to get back to the tournament. Alex Barcelo and Gavin Baxter and Colby Lee. We're not talking about someone's belief. That should be the mark, and it will be the mark forever at BYU. We want to win the conference and get into the NCAA tournament. One of those is more likely than the other. But the expectation right now, it's just too early. It's too early, and I think next year is going to be the real test to see what Mark Pope can do as a coach. He, he All credit to him. He went out and he got Yoli Childs to come back, and he yeah. brought Jake Toulson, and he convinced TJ Haas to stay in. He developed the other guys. That was a masterful coaching job by him and the staff, but now he's faced with some real challenges, replacing three outstanding players. So this is a challenge, and I cannot wait to see what Mark Pope can do with a team that we expect – uh, probably to be bubblicious. I don't know. For that'd, me, the, that'd be good. The yeah. expectation yeah. for me is well, they're going to play in the NIT at worst and be in contention to maybe sneak in as one of the final teams in. Making the NCAA tournament is not a standard at BYU. It's a goal because BYU has made it. They would have made it this year once in the last five years. Right. When Dave Rose so, had gone, what, six years in a row? At that point, it's like, okay, that's the standard. Yeah, and I think he did eight of nine, the first nine years, right, or something. He had this unbelievable crazy run. Yeah, it's certainly uh, too much to think, yeah, every year you're going to make the tourney. Because guess what? If you're in the WCC and you're not named Gonzaga, it's hard to make the tourney. Uh, St. Mary's has won, won 28 games one year and didn't make it, right? Uh, BYU has been in the tournament uh, in years prior. Certainly, BYU could build up to that, and we'll see what additions BYU still needs to recruit and get here to put BYU over the edge. As currently constituted, I don't think BYU is an NCAA tournament team. I think they're close uh, uh, to being competitive. Depends on the schedule. Depends on having a couple alpha males, right? I think BYU needs a score or two still to put them over the top. And I'm excited, like you, to see... The development of these guys. We saw Dalton Nixon become a three-point shooter again after going one for 16 the year before and 23 charges. We saw Zach Selyus completely change roles, not to mention the star power of the big three, right? BYU had three of, in my mind, the top 65 players in BYU history. On the yeah, last year. all-timer. BYU does not have any of the top 65 players in BYU history on the team going into next year. Uh, perhaps someone emerges and, and climbs in there. But as of now, I would project that none of them will be in that category. That is an elite group of people, right? To, to have Yoli Childs and Jake Jules and TJ Haas on the same team, that's incredible. So, yes, on April 7th, 2020, it's hard to say, yes, BYU should make the NCAA tourney or that should be the expectation. But if BYU adds a couple of transfers that make an impact – and gel well, and the the locker room stays as good as it's been or something similar, you don't have the sense of urgency this year that you had last year, which is, we haven't made the tourney, and we have a new coach, and we're seniors, and we're hungry, and we want to be good. 
those factors won't exist in the same way. They'll have to be new angles, new motivating issues that BYU brings up. Right. You use the number 65, three of the top 65. Just looking at that graphic and doing some math very quickly in my head, 65 points of production lost per game with those five seniors. <laughs> 65 points. At, what a loss. And they were yeah. the urgency was there with the seniors. Uh, let's not be naive to the fact that this situation is so fluid. There are over 600 players in the transfer portal right now. More than 600. BYU and Mark Pope are going to get one or two. And remember last April when we were saying, we were thinking, oh man, what's BYU going to bring back next year with a new coach? And uh, it was TJ Haas and no, like, just and just make the NIT, just make the NIT. It'll be okay. It'll be a good start for Mark Pope. And then Yoli Childs announces he's coming back. Jake Toulson transfers in, and all of a sudden we're like, oh, this is an NCAA tournament team for sure. Right. What surprises will we have this? Exactly. Year? And the expectations can shift. Uh, as simple and as weird as it seems with just one player. Can one player make that much of a difference again to push us into the category of, oh, they're going to make the tournament. We'll see what happens. Depends on the player. Yeah, it really does. Our question of the day, we want you to answer what we're just talking about. Is it NCAA tournament or bust now for Mark Pope and BYU basketball? Why? Let's go to Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. Primetime underscore BYU answers on Instagram. I argue that the tournament is ultimately the goal every year. Sure. Pope has proven that he can make magic happen, and I expect him to continue that trend. At Cougar Stats, BYU just lost three first-team All-WCC players, four of its top five scores, and 70.5% of its scoring. That isn't a reasonable basis for an NCAA or uh, bust motto. Yeah, completely agree. Coming up, who won between the Haas versus Houston and Bushman versus Boy State? plays in the best play bracket and she did something that no other cougar has done in 10 years only to have her championship opportunity cut short is she still crushing life this is BYU Sports Nation BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU store the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere the BYU Sports Nation play-by-replay specials continue Friday as we relive the women's volleyball win over top-ranked Stanford in 2018 with Head coach Heather Olmstead, Mary Lake, and Kennedy Eschenberg, noon Eastern, Friday on BYU TV and BYU Radio. You know we do it live from Studio B with your day-to-day BYU sports play-by-play. I'm Spencer Linton, teamed up with Jerem Jordan. We now welcome in our first guest of the day, BYU sophomore diver and an outstanding one at that. Kennedy Cribs joins us via Skype on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Kennedy, welcome to BYU Sports Nation for the first time. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. <laughs> All you had to do was qualify for the NCAA championships in the one- and three-meter diving events and become the first female at BYU to qualify in 10 years. So, first of all, congratulations on an outstanding season. <laughs> Thank you. It was a fun one. Well, it's an interesting one as well because then it's cut short uh, unexpectedly. So how have you processed the emotions of doing something that no female diver had done in a decade and then not really being able to see the end of it? Um, it was really, really hard. So like the timeline was like, so we have a zones competition. So you have to qualify and get a qualifying score on one of the three boards, one meter, three meter or platform in order to qualify for zones. And then we compete at zones Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So I'm definitely more of a springboard diver, like one meter and three meter. Like I do platform when duty calls, but it's not really my thing. Um, so we had the one meter and three meter competition on Monday and Tuesday. And I was super excited because I qualified. Wednesday, I sat out and cheered on my teammates for the platform meet, and then we flew home Thursday. And I remember Thursday, 
um, the head swim coach, John Brooks, he called me and was like, well, they're kind of not letting spectators in. So like I called my parents, was like, I don't think they're gonna let you guys in. But at that point, I still thought that I would be able to compete. But then as like that Thursday progressed, it was just, I don't know, I got another call from my diving coach, Ty Stroudson, and he was like, I they canceled NCAAs. And I found out in class and I just like kind of cried in OCHEM. <laughs> I think the teacher thought it was because of OCHEM. <laughs> I definitely do cry in OCHEM because of OCHEM, but oh, man, I was yeah. crying because of that meet. <laughs> yeah, that's really hard. And I'm talking about OCHEM. Uh, I, had yeah. a, I had a roommate who was doing chemistry and OCHEM was like the hardest class. No, that's, that's tough, right? Because you're having the perhaps peak performance of your life athletically and then you don't have that payoff so how have you kind of coped with that knowing hey I had a great year but like everybody else I couldn't kind of pay it off in the NCAA championships yeah I kind of just had like I don't know I had to think about like the fact that okay I still have like two more seasons to go and like I don't know I'm super competitive and so this is just kind of adding fire to like fuel to my fire in terms of like I don't know when I when the facilities open back up, because right now they're all closed, like, I'll definitely be really motivated to, like, work hard and definitely, like, try and make it next year as well. But my heart really goes out for the seniors that, like, are really trying to make NCAAs this coming year, like Shannon Evans, who don't have the chance to compete again, and they, like, had the rest of their season ripped away. And you would understand what Shannon is going through because you were a gymnast yourself. We'll get into more of that in just yeah. a moment. You broke the school one-meter record at the MPSF Championships. At what point in your life did you realize, I'm pretty good at this diving thing and I want to pursue it heavily? <laughs> um, I think, okay, so I started diving my junior year of high school and I just joined their high school team. And my parents are kind of like, they thought I was crazy because they're like, you've never, I never had even dove off the side of a pool at that point. What? <laughs> and, <laughs> and so I, like two months into high school season, I realized, I'm like, you know what? I want to be good and I'm going to really try. And so then I finished off high school season. Um, I got fourth at state that first year and then I joined a club team. And so at that point I was like, you know what? I want to be good. Like when I put my mind to something, I want to be good. I tried my best to make it happen. And so from that point on, I just kind of fell in love with it. So four is the operative number here. You took fourth in state your f- junior year, the first year of diving. And then it's, you've only yeah. been diving for four years. Um, yeah, so I took fourth my junior year after like two months, and then I won my senior year. Uh, wow, that's yeah. incredible. So <laughs> at, at what point in this process did you realize, oh, I'm good? Or was it once you took fourth and state, you go, oh, wow. I think it was like kind of both. I was just like, you know, what? I want to I wanna be good. Like, I don't want to be mediocre at this. And then I got fourth, and I was like, Oh, maybe I'm not that bad. <laughs> and then I just really worked really hard that coming year in club diving. And I just ended up having a good meet at state and was really blessed to be able to say that. So now you weren't just, uh, just sitting on the couch prior to this. So, you know, Spencer alluded to this, you were a gymnast for 12 years. You even won a, yeah. a floor exercise in the Western regionals as, as recently as 2015. So this is like what yeah. a year later. So there's some tie in between gymnastics and the uh, acrobatics involved in diving, I guess? Definitely. I would really say that that is what helped me transition pretty well and, like, helped me progress pretty fast in the sport of diving, like, being able to know where I am and, like, knowing how to flip and twist and have air awareness. But I would definitely say the hardest part of the transition was learning how to land on my head because gymnastics, number one thing you're supposed to do is land on your feet, and diving, the number one is supposed to be landing on your head. So, like, for me, 
there's a lot of like belly flopping <laughs> involved in the tra- initial transition. <laughs> I still belly flop, but <laughs> no, oh. you don't. Yeah, no, no, I... you don't. I don't we believe you for do. a second. What? <laughs> so when when yes. you're uh, figuring out a, a new dive or something. Yeah, so when you first learn your dives, like, we have a dryland room in the RB. It's kind of by the racquetball courts, and so it has trampolines and then, like, belts to help us, like, learn where we are in our dives. But at a certain point, you kind of just have to get up and chuck it. Um, like, I like to call it send and pray. Um, so you just kind of send it, and then, like, you kind of just pray in the middle of your dive, hoping that you land up somewhat vertical, but... Most of the time when you learn a new dive, there's at least a few horizontal landings. <laughs> You've introduced us to our new motto in life, send it and pray. Well, I was already sending it with Jerry, <laughs> right, on the slopes. But, uh, yeah, ch- chuck it, send uh-huh, it. Uh-huh. I, lo- I love yeah. this. This is great. I'm learning so much. She's a classic overachiever, an OCHEM superstar, and she's a pretty good diver as well. Kennedy <laughs> Cribs with us on BYU Sports Nation. How'd you do in OCHEM, by the way? Can I even ask that? Yeah, I okay. Honestly, I'm not doing that bad. I, there's also oh, it's this semester. Yeah, yeah, time. yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I got a 92 on the midterm. Hey! Wow! <laughs> wow! Like I said, classic overachiever. That's amazing. <laughs> on BYU Sports Nation. Okay. Uh, at what point did you lose fear of diving into the water? Uh, and did you ever consider like the 10 meter? Has it ever been scary to you at all? Um, most definitely. So I was known like last year as my freshman year, I was known as like the hardcore springboard diver and like, so five meter, the one that we have, like the highest platform we have at BYU, that's the lowest competable platform for diving. And so there's also like a seven and a half meter and a 10 meter. So I just, I swore up and down my coach. I'm like, I will never touch a 10 meter. I will never do that. And then this year he got me up on 10 meter and I competed two dives at conference on 10 meter there was only a few tears shed walking up the stairs. <laughs> a lot of send and pray on that one. Yeah, there was a Jesus take the wheel is kind of my motto as well. And yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Uh, you're also majoring in genetics, genomics. I didn't know that was a word till today. And biotechnology. What, what are you going to so, do with that? That sounds really hard. I actually switched it over to biology just a little bit ago. Merely because, biology. Okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, I am thinking about doing pre-med or getting a PhD, a science biomedical engineering PhD. So I am not exactly 100% sure what I want to do yet, but I think finding a field in medicine and applied science would be something I'd want to do. Well, we're just a couple of guys that wear makeup and talk about sports. So thanks for making us feel great about our lives. I get the sense that you could do whatever you want in your life. That it, like based on your experience with diving, based on your academic experience, it sounds like. Um, can, you just, can you just share what the rest of us need to, need to know to be able to do what you're doing? Motivationally I don't or know. otherwise? <laughs> Work hard. And let Jesus take the wheel, sit and pray. That's okay. really Amen. Kind of my life. Amen. <laughs> Let's go. Hallelujah. Absolutely. Kennedy, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. Congratulations on a great season. And uh, by all means, stay safe, uh, be healthy, and hopefully we'll be seeing you up on uh, the one meter and the three meter and maybe even the 10 meter very soon. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. All right. Kennedy Cribs on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how outstanding interview and an outstanding diver. I love talking to people more interesting than me. And that's almost everybody in the world. You know, love you know what I mean? so much, right? Yes. Kennedy Cribs is incredible. I didn't know much about her. We hadn't met her. Wow. I'm really impressed. I'm also impressed her apartment has Christmas lights up still. That's just, you know, she's next. She's like nine months ahead. 
I, I love it. Yeah, well, apparently she's uh, alone in her apartment, too, so why not have Christmas lights? It's your place. It's yeah. your pad, man. Do what you want. Coming up, one of the best centers in America, James Empey. Does he go by Jim now? We'll ask him. <laughs> and the results of the closest vote to date in our BYUSN Play of the Year bracket, which player into a trip to the Final Four. This is BYU Sports Nation. The BYUSN Best Play Bracket is presented by doTERRA you can watch some of the best plays in BYU history on the BYU TV app recent and old BYU sports games get your VOD fix on the BYU TV app today hey it's free I watched the first half of 1983 BYU at UCLA last Mm. night while I was cleaning my kitchen 83 huh featuring Mm. uh, one Steve Young and Gordon Hudson Leon White was on that team great defenders oh man yeah, a lot of fun. Uh, I'm excited to finish that, and it's available at any time. Very cool feature. Except and I'm for 1 to 2 a.m. No, any time. I am especially grateful for it right now. Uh, with that in mind, let's keep it rolling, BYU Sports Nation, with some actual notes and whip it. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around Golf. Men's team finished the season ranked 17th in the Bushnell Golf League Coaches Poll. Cougars won three tourneys this year, had a record 54-hole stroke average this season. Outstanding seniors Peter Quest, Rhett Rasmussen, and Spencer Dunaway are graduating and going pro. Uh, They'll be interested in this. The PGA Tour has announced rescheduled dates for three of golf's major championships. The PGA Championship, tentatively scheduled for August 6th through the 9th. The U.S. Open, September 17th through the 20th. And the Masters in November in Augusta from the 12th through the 15th. Here's to those things happening. Track and field. Uh, that week for the Masters is the SEC FCS week, by the way. Brilliant scheduling. Not a coincidence. 41 athletes earn MPSF All-Academic Honors, reaching a 3.0 GPA or higher. I would have liked to do that most of my time at BYU. Sports. <laughs> BYU's Cosmo upsets Duke in the Sirius XM Mascot Bracket Challenge on Twitter by a final tally of 84.6%. To 15.4%. Duke was a one seed. BYU a 16 seed, which is a gross underseeding, but hey, whatever. Cosmo next takes on the Terrapins of Maryland in eight seed. Looking to take down back-to-back ACC foes. Let's go, Cosmo. Speaking of brackets, it is time for the BYUSN Best Play of the Athletic Calendar Year bracket presented by doTERRA. A reminder, our selection committee has the top eight football plays matched up against the top eight basketball plays, all to determine what should reign number one in the 2019-2020 athletic year, Jerem. We're whittling 16 plays down to one. You vote on it on vote.buatv.org, and then we announce the uh, winner like we'll do right now. The first Final Four matchup all set as the number two basketball seed, T.J. Haas, game winner over Houston, survives Ooh. in the closest vote of the tournament to date, outlasting Baylor Romney after a double reverse, throwing to Matt Bushman for a flea flicker touchdown against Boise State. Haas won by a vote of 53 to 47 percent. Only 17 votes separated the two. That's pretty awesome. Uh, the Haas game winner at Houston will face the top football seed of Micah Simon's catch. Woo! Uh, at Tennessee in the first Final Four matchup coming up later. Okay, now today's matchup features the play that pulled off the eight over the one upset in the first round, the eight-seeded Dax Milne's touchdown catch at South Florida. Short drop for Jaron. Goes for the end zone, looking for Milne. Dax Milne, did he haunt him with one arm? He did for touchdown! 
Dax Mill with a great grab. A one-handed snag. And that, that celebration's fantastic. And he that uh, corner is draped all over him. Dax Milne with a tremendous catch. Okay, the Milne touchdown catch and the Milne posse, which we believe has been voting heavily in this tournament. Why wouldn't they? We'll take on Jason Shepard's underdog special. Tyson Williams and the BYU offensive line pushing the entire pile for a game-winning walk-off touchdown at Tennessee. Snap, Zach. Handoff, Tyson to the 5 push, 4 push, 3. Push. Pile is pushing, pushing, yeah. pushing, pushing, pushing. He gets to the he's goal in. line. He's in. No signal. He's in. They mark him short, but he's touchdown, in the end zone. Touchdown. Touchdown. They yeah, signal touchdown. Oh, what a play. Chills every time, Just man. Pure effort. We're going to talk to James Empey coming up in the next segment about that play, among other things. But that's the matchup. So go to uh, vote.buatv.org and weigh in. Vote.buatv.org. Currently, Dax Milne uh, up 62% to 38. Is uh, anybody shocked? I am. I think the Tyson Williams play is tremendous. Oh, it is. Um, but yeah. b- knowing what we've uh, seen from Dax We don't Dax know Milne, that. We're just guessing. Like, We're da- just guessing. Dax Milne already took down the number one seed yeah. at TJ Haas no, game a, winner against St. Mary's. Those are great plays. Those are great plays. It's early. Uh, you know, if they're like... 280 votes, it could be swung easily, you know, so uh, we need to get into the 280,000 votes. <laughs> then we're talking. So vote.buatv.org. That is our call to action. Because you can only vote once per device, correct? Something yeah. like that? Everyone's got multiple devices. Let's go. Man. All right. All right. Go vote on my phone right now. The push for 280,000 is on. Vote. I have a, yeah, Those are two good plays, uh, and this is really fun. Coming up, Top 5 Tuesday features the top men's basketball buzzer beaters of all time. And BYU center James Empion, how to keep things rolling as he prepares for the football season in quarantine. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. On the latest BYU Sports Nation, right now, if you're bored in your house, it's everybody. Brackenell Bakery of BYU Football has some tips from pushing cars to raising chickens. He's mastered a productive quarantine, I'm told. Check it out on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and the YouTube. Welcome back to the show. Teamed up with Jerem Jordan, I'm Spencer Linton. It is our pleasure to welcome in BYU offensive lineman and one of the top 10 offensive linemen in the entire country, according to Pro Football Focus, James Empey on Skype via the Deseret First Credit Union hotline. James, right now you look like a man who would be Porter Rockwell's bodyguard. Uh, How would you explain life with spring ball on hiatus? Man, it it, uh, is kind of bummered spring ball get cut in half like it did, but uh, I feel like everybody's trying to see silver linings and positives and and keep working any way that they can, you know, stay on top of their schoolwork. So it's it's been good, but we're missing football. Absolutely. Physically, how are you staying in shape and, and how are you staying mentally sharp with no spring ball? And then we don't know what's going to happen this summer. Yeah. So right now, I think everybody's just trying to work out any way that they can. Um, our strength staff has been awesome and sending out some uh, a whole bunch of home workouts and different things like that. So um, a lot of guys have been been trying to do that and stay on top of their schoolwork, stay mentally sharp that way. And we got all the resources with film and all that, so it's been it's been good. It almost feels like uh, being back on uh, a mission because you don't have the resources necessarily where you live. Although maybe at your house you have way better stuff than 
Portugal where you went on your mission, but does it remind you of that at all? Like, okay, I got to kind of figure this out and be motivated myself. Yeah, you know, it, it kind of does. You got to be a little bit creative and, and find new ways to challenge yourself. And, and that's the, uh, that's the goal and the challenge in, in and of itself, you know, trying to, trying to keep at it. James, one of the challenges of being a high-level athlete is to maintain uh, controlling the next thing and maintaining an attitude of optimism. So when you hear things like, hey, golf is going to reschedule the three major championships on U.S. soil for later this year, and you see baseball players are putting together a plan that maybe they could be back in training camps by May, how does that affect your emotions in getting ready for the football season? Oh, it it uh, it just makes me excited because I know the – I know the NCAA is going to find a way to, to get everything back rolling again and, and make up for, for what was lost over this time. So when, when I hear of things happening like that for other sports, it, it makes me um, excited and optimistic for, for the future. Hopefully we can get things rolling sooner than later. And that would be awesome. Let's say that it doesn't get better and it has to be moved to, say, the spring or something. Would you be okay with that? Um, yeah, just as soon as we can play football. If it's in the spring, let's, let's play football. You know what I mean? There have been all kinds of options thrown out there, too, some of which were like, okay, play October, November, and then resume in February or something. And I thought, you know, I just don't want December games <laughs> in, in Pro Bowl. I don't know how you feel. You're the center. You're snapping the ball. you got to have a handle there. What would that be like? I mean, besides playing one bowl game, right? You know, it might be a little cold, but rain or snow, if we're playing football, we're playing football. So, Spoken like a go. true offensive lineman, Yes. <laughs> Okay, uh, James, this is a little off topic, but something we need to address. Jerem is adamant yeah. that you go by Jim now, that you're no longer an underclassman. <laughs> You've matured into Jim, I feel. What, what do you think about that proposition? You know, I'll, I'll tell you what. They, uh, every, everybody in the O-line room has a nickname, and, and uh, I, I didn't have one for a while, and it's starting to become Jimmy. <laughs> and so uh, as, as soon as you get a nickname that sticks, then, then you, you know, with the old line at least, then, then it's going to stick forever. So, I mean, everybody's in the room got one. we got some funny ones. So it's, uh, it's uh, Terman Deerman, I guess. Um, are there others that you can name uh, for us that are appropriate for BYU? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, let's see. Tristan Hodge is Tree. Okay. Yep. Shannon is Chando. Clark is Clarky. Uh, Blake Freeland is Groot. Groot. <laughs> That's uh, right. Brady is Brad. <laughs> time is Time Time. So we got we got all sorts of stuff. That's great. Uh, oh. Does Does Eric Mateos have one? Can you give your coach a nickname? Um, he hasn't got one yet. He hasn't got one yet. Okay. We're working on it. It's okay. early. It was year one. This is year two. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, we'll yeah. give you some time. For now, we'll uh, we'll be pleased with uh, Groot and Brad and Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> I love those Chando. That's great. Uh, Pro Football Focus has uh, given you some flattering uh, acknowledgement and rankings, and we've talked with you about that a little bit. One of the latest was uh, 10th best returning offensive lineman in the country. Um, it, w- when, did you, when did you feel like, okay, I, or, and maybe you haven't, I don't know. When did you feel like, hey, I'm pretty good at this, but I still want to get better? Um. You know, for the most part, it's always just feeling like you got to get better every day. You know what I mean? It's it's always nice to hear somebody, uh, you know, think that you're playing well. But uh, to me, I feel like it motivates me even more to prove everybody um, that I that I'm better than that. You know what I mean? And so, um, and I I feel like that's how our whole line feels. Is is sometimes um, you know you hear the praise and you try not to drink the poison and 
um, you just work on being the best you can be because really you're only as good as your next play. So um, that's, that's I guess, what, what I'm focused on, what we're focusing on as an O-line and as, a, as an offense this next year to, uh, to just uh, focus on the next play and be the best we can be and not drink the poison or dwell on the past. You make a great point because there's a certain confidence that could uh, boo you up from the praise, right? But you've you've said don't drink the poison. It doesn't make you better per se, right? You, you've got to be challenged. I like that point you made. Who's the best O lineman on the team, by the way? Ooh, that's a that's a tough question because because everybody's so good in their own different ways. You know, everybody kind of has their own edge that they play with. Um, Brady's played so good in the first two weeks of spring ball. It was nice to have Tree back. Um, Channon was playing at a high level. Clarky is just Clarky's nasty. Um, we got so many guys. Groot <laughs> Blake is uh, <laughs> he's um, he's he's making his way into the picture and playing really really good and and improving every day. So you know that that's kind of a loaded question, but I think everybody's playing um, was playing you know for the two weeks that we had at better than they were in the fall and and that you know that's the goal is just getting better every day and so I don't, I don't think it's I don't think it's who's the best O lineman but um who the the best five guys that we can get out there at the at the same time you know and that's that's what we try to figure out every day in practice James you have snapped the ball just last season alone to three very capable quarterbacks how much do you have to alter your game depending on the quarterback that you're snapping the ball to not much at all um those those guys are good and they're they're versatile and they come in and do whatever they're told and our offense is is meant to be run with whoever's back there so uh not much changes we've talked about this after practice um the quarterbacks come in and out right but you'll stay on the first team there uh and and sometimes you'll snap the ball to a you don't even know which quarterback it is behind you right sometimes yeah some, sometimes I, I don't i don't really know their rotation i'm just focused on the next play you know so sometimes <laughs> That You'll make... be like, hey, wait, that was you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's Jaron now. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, we, we, we read a funny article by uh, Ty Detmer um, where he, he said in the 1989 game against Utah, he, he was so good they pulled him after three quarters, but he had to use the bathroom. So he asked Lavelle Edwards if he'd go to the bathroom. Anyways, he goes to the locker room. It's locked. He goes and uses a public restroom, which is insane, <laughs> right, for Ty Detmer. Have you had anything crazy like that during a game where you're like, shoot, i got to use the restroom right now, or I need to leave the field for any minute? Because you're the starting center. you got to be out there. Yeah, I've, I've, never, I've never had an issue like that, but that's, that's really funny. Imagine, imagine being in the stall next to Ty Detmer in the middle of a football game. That'd be, that'd that's crazy, awesome. right? Well, and he, it, it was against Utah, and he's thrown it at that point for like 350 yards on 18 of 22, and it's like, hey, Ty, uh, you're having a nice game today, hey, man. Good, good game, man. <laughs> uh, speaking of Ty Detmer, I know your dad is uh, very close friends with him. How much does your dad, Mike Empey, still coach you up personally? um a lot it's uh, I've said this before it's been cool to kind of find like see him as as dad instead of coach you know with with football and things like that because he he coached me all through that that first year of college you know what I mean ever since I was little he was he was coaching my team so um now that he's daddy he tries not to to be as uh coach like um but he still he still finds ways to to help me out and coach me and when I have questions, I'll, I'll ask him and he'll, he'll help coach me up. So it's, it's definitely a really nice resource to have. And, um, but it's, it's been cool to, to kind of see things change a little bit and still have dad and coach, you know, describe the difference between the two. 
um, <laughs> coaches, coaches are a little more in your face. And so it, as his role as dad coach, he's a little bit less in my face and a little bit more, uh, you know, kind of help out with, with some other things. So it's good. James, uh, let's finish with this, a little lightning round. I'm going to say the name of one of your teammates, and I want you to describe them in one word. And we will start with Tristan Hodge. Cultured. Ooh, okay. Cultured, yeah. He he dips into all kinds of books and comics and movies, right? Okay, very good. Bracken L. Bakri. Awesome. (laughs) And uh, a quarterback, (laughs) Zach Wilson. Um. Uh, shoot. Uh, <laughs> Your hesitation says a lot. <laughs> uh, I, hey, he needs more than one word, so we'll we'll leave it at that. Okay, <laughs> <Yeah>, nothing. <laughs> Let's do all three quarterbacks. To be fair, Jaron Hall. Um, versatile. Mm-hmm. And Baylor Romney. Um. Uh, let's see. What's the word? Um, what's the word? Uh, efficient. 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 Okay. I like that. Good words. Yeah. All right. You have passed the and test. Zach. Zach is baller. Oh, baller. baller. Nice. Okay. I thought you were going to yeah. say pretty yeah. boy. <laughs> <laughs> it, it came to mind, but he's more of a baller. And there's a dash in there to make it one word. Yeah. 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 James, great to talk to you, man. Uh, we wish you continued health and success in uh, your unique off-season training programs. And I can't tell you how much uh, we are hoping to see you in August and this thing gets cleared up very soon. Yeah, I hope so, too. Let's let's get back to football as soon as we can. Thanks for having me, guys. All right, man. Take care. James Empey on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why. We show how. Love James. He's really good. Uh, he is the best player um, High, like highest rated player, perhaps on BYU's team, maybe here Brady Christensen, right? Perceptually, he's not rated at all. You don't think about the old lineman. That guy's really good. He's going to be an BYU's NFL player. Lucky to have him. He'll be an NFL awesome. player. Coming up, which BYU athlete walked his dog and pulled his truck at the same time? <laughs> this happened. We just talked about him for a minute. And top five Tuesday buzzer beater edition. This is BYU Sports Nation. This segment of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Bodyguards, protection for a life worth living. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. A reminder, the show available anytime on demand via the BYU TV and BYU radio apps. Google the podcast, uh, BYU Sports Nation podcast, and uh, download and uh, enjoy. Top 5 Tuesday now, presented by Bodyguards, protection for a life worth living. Learn more at Bodyguards.com. It is the top 5 basketball buzzer beaters on the men's side all time. Jerem, kick it off at 5. Number five, Jimmer Fredette, 2011, January, halftime. Just casually strolling up to midcourt, throwing it up, bang. I'm under the basket there, shooting that for the true blue. Swish! Yes, exactly. One of the greatest halves of basketball ever! At number four, you can call this recency bias if you want, but I believe it'll hold up over time. T.J. Howe's game winner at Houston in front of both of his BYU head coaches deserves a spot in our top five. This is the shot that really started the magic for BYU this previous season. Fall away bouncer as time expires to give BYU a quad one victory. Also a top five moment in Jason Shepard's life. He was on SportsCenter. That's awesome. Number three, it's all about the story. 
Hours before tip, Craig Cusick's dad was diagnosed with cancer. He's playing Utah State, and Craig Cusick gets the follow-up to Matt Carlino's miss at the buzzer for the win. They gave, I think, .3 seconds or something for Utah State after, but what a story. Craig Cusick was in this studio on SportsCenter the next day. Number two, rewind to 1992. BYU and UTEP in the WAC championship. The Cougars down one with two and a half seconds left. Kevin Nixon, send it and pray from 55 feet. Splash. WAC championship and an auto bid to the NCAA tournament. Nixon repeated his heroics seven months later in the Maui invite, hitting another shot at the buzzer, not as far away, to beat number nine Oklahoma. That shot barely missed the cut this week, but this, a 55-foot special. I wrote an article about this in fourth grade in my computer class. That's awesome, man. And the buzzer beater, the greatest in BYU history, Danny Ainge to send BYU to the Elite Eight at the buzzer over Orlando Woolridge to beat Notre Dame in the Omni in Atlanta. Oh, baby, 22 coast to coast. I love it so much. Oh, injected into my veins every day. Danny Ainge, our question of the day. Is it the NCAA tournament or bust now for Mark Pope and BYU basketball? Our elite voice of the day presented by Sundance Mountain (laughs) Resort. From at YFAN 7612-6068. This upcoming team has way more depth than people think. If they can land a good grad transfer, I'd say they are a lock in the tourney. The experience is hard to replace, but they have some good underclassmen that will surprise since the seniors had... The ball more. It's all about that grad transfer, that late addition. We'll see. Today's rising shout-out, mine goes to Tristan Hodge, who walked his dog and pulled his truck at the same time. <laughs> Took the dog for a walk today. Come on, bud. We're going on an adventure. <laughs> Tristan Hodge, a.k.a. Tree. Tree. Yeah, just pulling his truck and his dog. My rise and shout-out goes to William R. Walker, friend of the program and Emeritus 70 for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. He sent Jeremy and me a handwritten letter and some newspaper clippings from 1984 and 1989. Thank you for that. We, uh, no, we cherish awesome. those things. Awesome. Our thanks to today's guests, Kennedy Cribs and James Empey. Sorry, Jimmy Empey. Yeah, Jimmy, no. Uh, sorry to Dennis Pitt. We ran out of time, bro. Conversation continues on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook 24-7. For Jeremiah and Spencer, shout-out to Mike Edo. We'll see you on BYU Sports Nation tomorrow. Go Cougs.